Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. You have to know what people want and you have to give it to them in a way that makes them realize that like they can't live without it. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get... Knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden, and I'm so thrilled to be here today for the Kara Golden Show with my next guests. We have Erica Huss and Zoe Sakotis here, and they are both the co-founders of one of my favorite brands uh, from a little while ago. So some of you may not be familiar with it, but there's many of us out there that looked at them as kind of this cultish, super cool um, disruptive innovator brand. I'll just share what it is. Blueprint, and you may know it also as the Blueprint Cleanse, and some of those uh, other things that people uh, talked about it as. And today they are founding their second company uh, called Earth and Star, which we're going to get into that as well. 
as you know, we talk to founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs, and really get uh, kind of the the journey, the down and dirty, lots of fun stuff that they've learned along the way. So thrilled to have them. And like I said, this is their second entrepreneurial venture um, that they've done together. And their new company is also about health, wellness, and functional mushrooms. So if I piqued anyone's interest there, then uh, you definitely need to listen more as we talk a little bit more to uh, Erica and Zoe and really hear much more about them. They also have a great um, podcast that is called Highway to Well, um, which if you haven't listened to that, also definitely give a listen to that. And like I said, they're pioneers in the wellness space, super, super cool ladies, and I'm thrilled to have you guys here. So welcome. Thank you. Thank what you. an introduction. I know, I know, <laughs> right? So whoever wants to go first, tell me a little bit about how, you know, who were Zoe and Erica as little kids? Um, okay. Well, as kids, yeah, we didn't know each other. I know you can't tell by our youthful appearances. Um, childhood seems like it was so recent, but <laughs> we, well, I will speak for myself. Uh, I don't know if I was necessarily a, um, born entrepreneur. We had this conversation recently, whether you're born or made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm sort of the hybrid of the two. I, I came by it. Honestly, both of my parents were worked for themselves, um, in New York. I grew up in, you know, the eighties in New York city and my parents worked in advertising. They both had their own businesses. So I guess to that end, um, I, I did kind of have it predestined that I was going to end up running my own thing. I started out working in, um, you know, my, my early professional career was in theater and show business. And I did some behind the scenes stuff and worked a lot in production which ended up, I think, um, actually really coming in handy when it, when it becomes about building your own company, because Mm -hmm. all it is, is production, taking elements and different pieces of all of these kind of different categories and areas and putting them all together to create the show. Um, so I went from there into really headfirst into hospitality. Zoe and I actually met in a bar working in a bar. Um, I love it slinging a different kind of beverage, I guess you would say back in those days in, in New York, in, uh, in the year 2000 at the Hudson hotel. Um, and, uh, at that point, you know, I was really interested in the hospitality business. And, um, so I kind of dove into that and wanted to learn all the different elements of it, you know, between service and management and PR and the kind of more, you know, the bigger world around it. And, uh, so I kind of, carved my path. And I felt like, you know, I, I, I worked in some office settings for a while and, and really realized that, um, I don't necessarily have a problem with authority, but I definitely prefer to, uh, set my own pace and, and answer to myself, or in this case, to a friend who I, you know, genuinely treasure and respect and whose opinion and, um, vision is very aligned with mine. I so I will that. stop there because I know that was just a quick question. No, <laughs> I, I love it. it. I love it. Zoe? Um, okay. As a child, let's see. Um, I did not grow up in the city, sadly, um, but I would have loved to. I grew up in, in Pennsylvania, like Northeastern PA, definitely the sticks. Did not have a lot of money growing up. 
was the youngest of four kids, like single mother, worked two jobs, put herself through school, definitely like a very scrappy um, upbringing. And yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up with this kind of mentality that is, you know, if you want something, you have to earn it. Like there was never any, any, anything given to me. I never had like, you know, an allowance for school. I mean, like really basic things. Like I had to have a job. Like I think I've been working as long as I can remember. So actually my first, um, I would say my first business was um, when I was 14, 13. And the how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. 
Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Really nice optometrist in my town gave me, uh, she, she ran a kennel. It was very weird. I mean, this is like Northeastern PA, like some weird people. But she had, she, she had an optometry center, which all of my siblings went to because they needed glasses. And I was the only one who didn't. So I'd always be in the waiting room, like the shy kid. And she had this like random dog kennel in the backyard. She also showed dogs. And so she said like, hey, I'll give you a dog if you learn how to show it and groom them and all the rest. So she she gave me the basement to the optometry center. And she let me set up shop and start my own like grooming company. Um, so it was kind of an amazing, like first brush with like, huh, I set my own hours. I like organize my clients. I like lock up and lock up, you know, like it was kind of like an amazing experience to have, um, that sort of autonomy at such a young age and be like, Oh, I, I just made 40 bucks an hour. This is pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think my childhood was very Scrappy is probably a good word. And then I just sort of inched my way closer to the city, went to high school in New Jersey, went to Pennsylvania or went to college in New York City. So I've been in the city now longer um, than I so since I was like 17. Amazing. And and so you're so you mentioned uh actually Erica mentioned the Hudson. So you guys are working at the Hudson. Oh yeah. And <laughs> did you were you just dreaming of like you know, starting your own company together from day one? Or what was what was the moment that you guys said, oh my gosh, we should go do this? Um, well, I was very much in, um, I, I was not, uh, I did not move up the, the hospitality rungs to manager, <laughs> the manager level, because I have no place in any kind of corporation. Um, but I, uh, no, I was, as Erica did, but I, I was very much interested at that point in the sort of raw food space, um, this idea of healing yourself with food and nutrition in general, 
which was introduced uh, by, at the time, a very uh, hippie boyfriend from California. So I kind of went down that rabbit hole. I was, you know, graduating school. Again, I was studying like production, um, communication, stuff like that. Um, But I really made a sharp turn once I discovered this world. And it was like head first, kind of like once you know these things, you can never unknow them. And so I was really, you know, starting to study and take it pretty seriously um, on my own while working at the Hudson. And, you know, I went from like carnivore, like to raw foodist overnight and uh, got a lot of weird looks and spent a lot of time eating lunch by myself in like the one, the one raw food restaurant at the time in Manhattan. And so... Eric was at that time, I think, you know, probably more interested in PR. I mean, what was, what would you say like that that moment was where we kind of went different, different ways? Well, I think it was, yeah. I mean, I sort of moved away from actually working in the bar setting to moving into working in a PR firm to work with chefs and restaurants and hospitality clients, just to kind of learn all the sides of the industry. So I was getting a little bit more of like a corporate, you know, polished training, I suppose, and Zoe and I were still, you know, very friendly and hung out together a lot. And when she started telling me about this, you know, this project that she was working on, and she had the framework of this, like, uh, I mean, literally the blueprint of what this concept was with, you know, the initial product concept and some test clients that were available. And, you know, she had kind of been getting feedback and seeing that this thing really had legs it was this moment of, um, you know, needing to take it to the next level. And the first thing I need is this, this, and this, and then I need this. And I think I need a press release. And I think, you know, what a press release is. And I was like, I do know what a press release is. And so, you know, I think it was maybe six, eight months into where she had come with it, that it looked like, okay, this is actually something that really does have the potential to, to go. And um, I was certainly not, you know, tethered by any means to sitting at a desk in an office full of 55 other women. Um, And uh, so it was like, all right, this doesn't feel like a risk. This feels like the thing that just makes sense for me to do. And certainly for Zoe, it didn't feel like a risk. It was like, this was her calling. So it was kind of just like, well, you know, you know, stuff that I don't and I know stuff that you don't. And this totally makes sense. So let's just do it and see what happens. I love the yin and yang, right? That you guys just really naturally and organically got to. I think that part of, you know, the problem I've met many founders over the years. And I think, as you know, Erica, that my husband is actually my yin or yang, however you want to look at it. He's our chief operating officer. And it was very clear early on that we both like appreciated each other's kind of skill sets on, you know, on the business side of things. And It was, um, I feel like, you know, the two of you knew that as well. You didn't sit there and figure out who's going to really do what. It just came very naturally, which I think is a great sign. Um, And frankly, uh, when I see two founders get together, maybe they met at business school and they're like, oh, we have this great idea and we're going to do it. And uh, so often they're so much alike, right? And that's where the problem starts, where, you know, it's especially, you know, if you even have an ounce of competition in you, you don't intend for it to go in that direction, but it, it just seems to for some other reason. So I love, I love hearing that. So you founded Blueprint back in 2007. And how did you, like, how did you manage to build this business? I mean, were, were you guys ever talking about stores or was it really kind of servicing clients? Was that kind of the initial 
blueprint, I guess. Yeah, the original blueprint. I think, you know, it was definitely an interesting time because it was, I mean, obviously social media was not, certainly not what it is today, but then also the the brick and mortar kind of ruled and there was no real direct-to-consumer channel. I mean, it just didn't really, this is before Amazon really. I mean, this is kind of, it's kind of amazing to look back and see how insanely it's changed in such a short time. So at the time, you know, we were not used to getting packages delivered like we are today. We weren't used to getting things like really at our doorstep, just, you know, from like juice to perishables, to whatever it is. Um, so anyway, at the time, the structure was really, it was meant to be, so it was born out of like an actual hub and spoke kind of idea, right? So we had this production commissary kind of juice bar to start. Um, and we had, we had a, a group of, women that we were lucky to test it on. Um, And so it started very locally. We were literally making the product um, in a test kitchen. I guess we'll call it a test kitchen. It's it's very, we really, we really like elbowed our way into some, some very generous people's uh, kitchens. Anyway, they, they were kind enough to give us like a corner in the back. (laughs) We eventually like took over the whole kitchen, but Um, we, you know, we built, we built up our clientele very organically. It was like a local group of women in Darien, Connecticut, who were kind of like super early adopters. They were like binging on cleanses every week. They loved it. They couldn't stop talking about it. I mean, that was the beauty of this product was that it was so experiential. I mean, you were essentially going on a cleanse for an extended amount of time between like one and five days. So of course you feel like a superior human and you want to share that with like, everyone around you. So it grew very quickly, but basically we would make it. Um, it was made to order. It was paid for before we made it, which is a really nice model. And so we would then pack it up, deliver it in the beginning. I mean, we were literally delivering it ourselves in like zip cars, if anyone can remember what those are. But yeah, I mean, from there, it sort of grew to be uh, delivered to your door in Manhattan and then eventually delivered nationwide. Um, And so the direct-to-consumer piece of it was really nice. Um, It gave us a lot of feedback. Consumers were willing to pay a premium because it seemed so special, you know, then. Um, But to have something like that delivered to you, um, we got a lot of feedback. And then eventually, you know, the biggest problem with what we were doing at the time was that it was a perishable product. So we couldn't necessarily put raw juice on a shelf. It was literally not legal uh, unless you're, you know, you're making it yourself. So we, um, you know, we had to figure out a way once Whole Foods literally came knocking, we had to figure out a way how to treat the juice without compromising the integrity of the product by heating it because it's first and foremost a raw juice. And that was all around nutritional integrity. So we were also the first people to crack the uh, HPP code, which is how you treat this type of product without heating it. So we basically stands for high pressure pasteurization or processing. But basically, you know, we we pressurized the juice and that allowed us to enter re- retail. And so, you know, once that happened a couple of years later, it was just explosive growth. But that model, I mean... You know, we were doing quite well direct to consumer, but eventually the retail just completely eclipsed it, which is very exciting. Yeah. So interesting. Well, for those of you who maybe weren't around during that time, I mean, I remember 
I was in e-commerce early at America Online and, uh, you know, I built out the America Online's kind of shopping mall in the very early days. And so I understand like the picking and packing and perishable. And I always pointed to Omaha Steaks as being, you know, the boldest person in the world, like to actually put the stuff in a box and send it out. And when I saw you guys doing it, um, it was, uh, I really huge kudos admiration for you and as i mentioned to eric i was a huge fan customer um never had a bad bottle i mean i was like always telling people you know i kept thinking one of these times it's going to stay out too long and it's going to be a mess <laughs> and you know i'm in the food industry so i get it and but it wasn't it was like always terrific so i really think that you guys did an amazing amazing job so then you dis- so then you sold the company successfully sold it. Do you want to talk a little bit about what year was that that you sold it? 2012 and 2012. So, yeah, end of 2012. So it was year five of the business. And who did you sell it to? To Hain Celestial. Got it. And then did you guys both stay on at that point or for a little while? You guys both we did. did. We did. Okay. Yeah, awesome. we stayed on. Well, we for most of our for most of our uh, contracts. We left a little yeah. bit early. Yeah. Which was, you know, always leave before the party's over. Yeah. yeah. For a couple um, of years or. Yeah. We were, on, we were there for like a year and a half. We were, I think we we're supposed to be there for about two, but we stayed. Yeah. It was a very interesting corporate experience that I think neither one of us was too interested in continuing. Um, and uh, yeah, we went right. You know, we never took out any, uh, took on outside investment. We literally bootstrapped the whole thing. And so we, we just went. We just went right to um, acquisition. So, yeah, that was. Um, I don't. I, I didn't realize at the time how how lucky we we were to be able to have done that. Uh, until now, I understand the pains of having to well, raise money. Yeah, I think lucky, but I also think you know. Uh, I mean, it was well. It was hard earned. You know, like that, that was totally. no, no, we, not we, to take we, away from any any hard work. No, but, I know, I know. Yeah. But we put ourselves in that position. Yeah. I think it, we never realized really how unique it was um, until now, when we're raising money for our business and people are learning that we never took on outside capital for Blueprint. And they're like, "Really, you guys did that?" And we're like, "Yeah, we did." <laughs> and I think it's actually good that we didn't realize it at the time because I think it might have altered our attitude a little bit. Well, I love just the hustle of you guys doing it and the scrappiness of just, you know, the model, the upfront money, and then you shipped it. Like the whole model of it was just, just you guys should be really proud. And it is really uh, fun, I, I think is the best word to say, like to look back and actually see kind of what you accomplished. Yeah. And and it's, uh, I think everybody should do that, whether you're a founder or whether, you know, you're you're uh, thinking about being a founder, looking back on some of those challenging times. And I even saw Zoe laughing a little bit about taking a little space in the kitchen. I'm sure there's a lot more backstory to that. Like we have those as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I Part of the reason I decided to write my book was, you know, I wanted to really share some of like, you know, not only the funny stories, but the warts and all along the way that it's just, you couldn't make some of the stuff up, then yeah, I think totally. that if you haven't done it before, you just can't even imagine that that's how this stuff goes down. And and mm. it's uh, so interesting. So now your new venture, you two got back together. Now, were you ever apart or were you guys still hanging out and uh, 
chatting? Not really. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we took a little bit of time in between blueprint and figuring out our next move to kind of, you know, take a small victory lap. And Zoe made some humans and I did some traveling and got married. And, um, I think, you know, we, we were a little bit conflicted as to like, do we just sort of sit back and, you know, just figure something out eventually, or do we, do we stay focused and stay at least with one foot in the door? Because we felt like, you know, there is a, there is a window of opportunity and of relevance for you and your name and your brand. And we didn't want to see that window close. So I think we, we took, we found the right balance of how to kind of spend the time. We did a little bit of some small projects on our own, you know, some investments and things like that. And then, you know, we decided to start the podcast partly because to your point, Kara, what you were saying earlier about why you wanted to start yours, we were just having conversations and feeling like, you know, the wellness landscape had changed so dramatically, even in the few years since we had started Blueprint until that time that we felt like, okay, well, our voice at the table is actually super, you know, meaningful because we've been here since the beginning. And I think what was also a bit unusual because we started about three years ago as well was there were a lot of podcasts about, you know, starting a business and, you know, the, how I built this kind of thing. And there were a lot of podcasts about wellness in like the sort of goop camp, but this was even before goop. Um, but very few hosted by founders of those types of businesses. Mm -hmm. It was either kind of one or the other and even fewer hosted by women. So we were kind of like, all right, well, there's not a whole lot of voices in this female wellness founder, you know, circle that we're in. So let's just kind of keep the conversation going. And, you know, we were able to really make some great relationships and, and foster some great, you know, relationships and contacts that some of them carried over from blueprint days and some of them are, are relevant to us now. Um, but yeah, we kind of felt like in the same way that we wanted to take, you know, the concept of juicing and bring it to a mass audience in a way that felt approachable. That's what we wanted to do with just information about the wellness world and bring it in a way that felt not super preachy because that does tend to happen and, and felt like we could actually really help people who maybe think, oh, I'm not really into wellness. I'm not a health person. But first of all, you know, on some level at this point, everybody is, whether you know it or not. And secondly, like you don't have to be the sort of, you know, live the cleanest life and your body is your temple 150% of the time. And every move that you make is with wellness. And like, that's not what it's about for us. And we wanted to make sure people understood that, like, and feel like you, it can still feel inclusive. So yeah, no, I love it. Sort of. So your, your new venture is earth and star. And uh, you said at some point that the future is fungi, fungi. How do you, how do you actually pronounce? Is it fungi? Or you could say fungi or fungi. Fungi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Third way to, to say that. So yeah. what, how did Well, fungi is up? the Italian, so actually you are right. <laughs> okay. So or mushrooms. And so how did or you mushroom. come up with how did you guys get interested in this? Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that there's no shortage of supplements superfoods, powders, potions in both of our cupboards. And I think we're always kind of keeping an ear to the ground and, and, you know, seeing what's out there, seeing what's new, seeing what works and then trying it for ourselves. And this was just one area where we were both kind of struck a couple of years ago, just casually talking about it in passing. And, um, you know, we had been consuming functional mushrooms for 
for however long and noting the difference that it made, you know, um, overall to each other. And, and we were using it for different reasons, but um, I was like, oh my God, I stopped taking it for like, uh, you know, a few few weeks or whatever. And I really feel the difference. And, and we're just, you know, there's so much efficacy there and there's so much science in in this space and it's sort of undiscovered and it kind of blew our minds at something this powerful, like an entire kingdom that if it's yet to be discovered by the Western world, um, can, can have such a huge impact on your health. And what's the most surprising thing about mushrooms that most consumers don't know? So, I mean, well, there are a lot of things that they don't know, but I feel like, you know, the benefits, so as soon as you start to rattle them off, you sa- it sounds like you literally, like they're literally magic. It's insane. I mean, I would say the, the common denominator, um, functional mushrooms, which by the way, functional mushrooms for the most part fall under the umbrella of adaptogens, which maybe people are a little bit more familiar with right now. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, they're all immunomodulators, which means that they're basically constantly working to either increase or rev up your immune system or calm it down if it needs to calm down. They're constantly trying to balance and support your immune system, which could not be more critical right now on a global scale. (laughs) So, but beyond that, they have individual sort of uh, superpowers and properties, you know, depending on the mushroom. Um, Everything from increased energy, calm, relaxation, uh, you know, there's beauty benefits. It's it's literally endless. But, you know, we we took a, a look around and the landscape was a little kind of scarce. There was really not much out there. There are a handful of brands Basically, everything existed in a pill or powder format or like an instant coffee. It did not taste particularly good. I think the wellness community is very willing to choke things down if they know that there's a promise and, and you know, whatever the benefits are. Um, but, you know, we just thought like, okay, we, we don't need to sacrifice taste or convenience to consume this type of thing. And in that way, it's very similar to to Blueprint um, in that we just saw this this um sort of kingdom blueprint was a plant kingdom now it's the fungi kingdom um and said like how do we take this super fringe concept and bring it to the masses in a way that's delicious and convenient and you know consumer friendly um so that it's not it's it's not dogmatic it's not preachy it's not really sciencey which a lot of these these areas tend to get um so knowing what we no, which is beverage. Um, we decided, like, why don't we take this, uh, you know, change the format, put it in a ready-to-drink format, um, make it super delicious with a very clean label, um, maybe the squeakiest out there, and um, you know, and present it in a way that's like sexy and not like nerds in the woods. You know, like something that is a little bit more mass, um, in the same way that we did with Blueprint, which was. You know, you don't have to be like a hippie in the juice bar with like, whatever, your gray braid, we used to say, <laughs> and like your Birkenstocks, which have all kind of like come back in fashion. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, that was sort of, it's all come full, full circle, but that was the idea. So, I mean, we've been at, we've been at work on this project for about two years, just on like the R&D piece. Just so everybody's cleared. So the actual format is in a coffee nice little can but talk oh to i just happen i just happen to be you drinking to, a little i um, love it it's total coincidence it's my afternoon um my afternoon little chocolate so this is the cacao flavor so everything is uh plant-based it's all oat milk 
Um, and we have a blend of four of what we think are maybe the most powerful and relevant mushrooms in terms of their benefits to like a daily routine. So we took a blend of four mushrooms, which is lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. And, um, uh, you know, and then we've, we've created a line. We're starting with four skis. So we've got cacao, matcha, turmeric, and we have a cold brew black coffee. And everything has the same blend of um, two, a whopping 2,000 milligrams of functional mushroom extracts, which is truly wow. a therapeutic dose. Do I sound like an infomercial yet? Um, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah. So we wanted to find, I mean, the idea is basically like, take the habitual products that people are already consuming every day, like your coffee, your latte, um, and just enhance it with functional mushrooms. Like don't ask people to change their habits, to like incorporate yet another beverage into their daily routine. Um, I mean, the beverage aisle is like daunting these days. So many options. Um, but like, we all know that, you know, our habits are, are coffee and lattes, things like that. So that's what we're focused on. But then beyond that, also, the idea is really to roll it out into a larger platform. We started with beverage because that's the world that we come from. We have a dark chocolate bar. Um, we have more dark chocolate bars coming out. And again, to Zoe's point, it's just about finding those moments in your day, your habits. So if you're not you know, looking for another cold beverage in, you know, to work into your rotation, then we have something different for you. Um, because the whole point is, however you're going to consume functional mushrooms or however you're going to consume, you know, your, your, your habitual things, whether mm -hmm. it's your afternoon, you know, sweet fix with a little bit of dark chocolate or, you know, ground coffee or whatever it is. Um, we want to be there to kind of elevate what you're already doing. I love it. So you mentioned this, actually, the, the fundraising and how people are doing. Are you fundraising on this time as compared to last time you didn't fundraise? What it, what do you, I mean, what, what was sort of the idea behind that? I mean, fundraising early versus financing it on your own. It's just a totally different model. And make no mistake, we are also financing it on our own. Um, we have we, we joke, joke that we have accidentally self-funded our seed round um, because, uh, you know, it did take quite a bit to, to get things going. The R&D was not an inexpensive process um, for a product in a category like this. There's no way around that. So it was, it's a different model. Um, you know, Blueprint and the juice world in general, I mean, literally anybody could basically start a juice company from their kitchen and kind of scale it and see how it goes. Um, and, and, you know, but then you find out very quickly who actually has what it takes and who doesn't, but something like this, that does really require some major, you know, food science in order to find the right formula that actually is palatable and delicious, not just palatable, but actually delicious was not easy. Um, and you know, we've felt for a long time that this is a category that is still a bit untapped and it is on the eve of just explosive growth. Mm -hmm. So we feel like we're not interested in mom and popping this thing. We definitely want to create, um, you know, see some major velocity as early as possible because we want to stay at the kind of the forefront sure. of what is about to happen. And that requires some serious capital. So yeah, it's hilarious that this is like, you know, year whatever it is, 16 of us working together, 13, 14, I can't do the math. Um, and this is like our real first, you know, first real go at, at, at fundraising. <laughs> I love it. So what do you feel is like the biggest learnings that you have taken from, you know, being together for this long in terms of 
just building a business? I mean, what would you do differently this time uh, on second go around? Obviously, it's a different category, but I always tell people that, you know, I don't think you could launch, uh, I'll pick on Red Bull. I pick on a lot of different beverages, but I don't, I don't think you could launch Red Bull today because <laughs> no one ever thought that Red Bull tasted great, right? They did it because it was you know, functional, right? I mean, a different type of functional, but it was functional yep. and people got addicted to it because it had that, you know, boost and it had yeah. that sweet, but it wouldn't be able to make it today. Like, I think you really have to have a great tasting thing, even if you have cricket chips or, you know, whatever it is, it has to taste good. If it doesn't mm. taste good, it doesn't matter, you know, Correct. how functional it is. And, you know, your products obviously taste good. You guys know that, but where do you what else do you think you've learned along the way? Oh, God. Um, well, I'll just hold on on that question, on that statement, sorry, around uh, if it doesn't taste good. And, you know, I'm I'm pretty much a firm believer and if it doesn't taste good, it's not going to obviously work. You have to have flavor. Um, but there are certainly a lot of, uh, you know, you're talking about Red Bull, but I can say today, there are quite a few functional brands out there that are, can I pick on a brand? Is that allowed here? Sure. <clears throat> not really picking on them, but it's a it's really a question mark in my mind as we grow, um, which is, you know, you have a, you have a brand like Super Coffee, which is like the key to brand that is is you know coffee, very very um, chemical label, a lot of like not great ingredients, um, but it's functional because it has like C MCT oil, etc. But like the flavor is is, is is so really not good. And, you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've been truly amazed at, at, at how they've grown. I mean, That's they so are... But does it have a lot of sugar? In it? No, but it has like sugar alcohol, you know, so it's not, it's not like a, um, I mean, that's their whole, they're sort of like a bunch of like sort of workout brothers and like, they, yeah, they have a very specific audience. Anyway, but I guess to this point, it's just, it's confusing to me sometimes which brands actually make it um, because they don't actually taste that good. Um, but learnings going back. Well, to the question. I would say a learning there is even taking the super coffee example, like they've, they have capitalized on a movement, which, you know, the keto movement, it started with a very kind of different, you know, idea around how to get your body to a certain place for optimal performance. And you can definitely take shortcuts, which are adding all sorts of weird sugar alcohols and, and flavors and things like that to create a, like a super sweet palette with no sugar. So I would say, you know, what they've done is kind of a learning for us as well, which is like, you have to know what people want mm -hmm. and you have to give it to them in a way that makes them realize that like they can't live without it. And I think that, you know, but I think also to that point for, for us, it's, it's really, you have to go where your people are at least to start, mm -hmm. because that's where you really create the evangelists. And once you find the people who are already kind of, um, excited and and really genuinely authentically committed to to what you're doing it feels very it feels very easy it feels much more like a you know that there's a pull rather than a push um you cannot be everything to everybody i mean that's something that you know i don't think that i'm <laughs> i'm not the first person to say that you know in the last 10 minutes let alone about business but yeah i think you have to you have to be respectful of of your audience and and listen so that you can understand how to create something for them. Um, and you know, there is this sort of Steve Jobs attitude of like, just 
tell the people what they want, but I don't know. I don't know that that applies when you're, especially when you're talking about like something that you consume. Yeah. And, and frankly, I mean, first movers are not necessarily the ones that win, right? It's, it's really, you know, as, as this category to your earlier point expands, it's really, I think taste wins with this consumer. And as you start to, you know, expand beyond even, you know, the keto and, and some of those groups, definitely, I think that taste becomes really, really important and feeling and, and et cetera is, is definitely there, but, but I think taste is super, super important. And I think so often people are really, frankly, hiding behind sugar, no matter what it's called, whether it's diet sweeteners or, you know, whatever. And it's pretty easy to create a product that has, you know, tastes good with a lot of that in it, you know, but I think it's much harder if you're not, if you're not doing that. Yeah. I think it's easy to take shortcuts. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I would just add that the, a lot of the learning, um, it for me just personally is that this idea that you can't, you know, you come up with an idea, you know, it's going to evolve and you can't sort of hold too tightly to any, any one sort of first version of that idea. Like it's going to evolve think you have to allow it to sort of get to where it needs to be and it will eventually be molded into something by you know the input that you're getting from consumers um, basically everyone around you so it's not just like come up with an idea that's it now go it's like we might find you know with our new product line extensions that are coming out beyond lattes or ready to drink format like we might find that the chocolate bar line is actually what people are responding to. Like, we just don't know. So I feel like it's like, you have to just let things evolve and be very willing to pivot and, uh, and be very fluid. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, this is amazing. You guys, I'm so excited to get everybody to try this product. Where do people go, uh, to find earth and star products? They can go to our website to order it which is earthandstar.com. We're on social at earthandstarco. But then also on our website, you have a store locator, which shows all of the retail locations that we're in. We're in about 150 locations across the country right now, primarily in New York and LA, but quite a few in um, Chicago and Texas. So um, yeah, there's lots of different ways to get your, to get your mushrooms. I love it. So Zoe and Erica, thank you so much for joining me today and and sharing your journey and your story. And I I love second acts and uh, and I'm <laughs> super super excited to see what you guys do and how you grow and scale the business. And thanks everyone for listening. This is the Kara Golden Show. We're here every Monday and Wednesday. And check us out and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or your favorite platform. And also, if you haven't already, pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, and definitely give me a shout and uh, say hello and let me know what you think. So thanks, everyone. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. undaunted. 
Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.